Yo, what is going on my friends? It's your boy, the protagonist of professional wrestling, Hustle Malone. Welcome back to another episode of the Show Day Podcast. A big thank you to my friend Cy Gregory for jumping on our last podcast. Cy Gregory, the cut above, one of the, in my opinion, one of the best heavyweights this country's ever had and one of my favorite opponents in the ring. Always good wrestling, Cy Gregory, and always great chatting to him too. Sai was a great little pit stop in this kind of strange podcast journey that I'm doing where I'm trying to talk to people at the head of promotions, at the head of companies, because in my mind, the good or the bad that reaches out in wrestling, both of them, they both come from whoever is at the top of their respective piles. Um, And that's not just who is at the top of the country in status, but who is quite literally running a promotion and sending those good vibes or setting a good example or setting a bad example through it. And I know that a lot of people are very tentative and hesitant when it comes to returning to British wrestling shows in the future. So I want to do my small part in, at least in my eyes, guiding who I think people should put their faith in when we come back to wrestling. I recently interviewed Kirk Langley and Luke Basham the promoters of MBWA and SWA respectively, two places where I think goodness and the light kind of leads from above, places I'll definitely or I'll I'll hopefully be returning to and and putting my faith into. Um, And that brings me to this week. This week, my guest is Zander Calloway, the promoter of Wrestling 4. I was only lucky enough to wrestle for Wrestling 4 once before COVID hit and they made such a massive impression on me really really quickly wrestling 4 is very similar to sacrifice pro somewhere i talk about on the podcast a lot wrestling 4 every show they do is literally wrestling for a different cause or a different charity and the feeling that i got on the day that i performed for them from as little as you know i turned up and you do the team talk that a lot of promotions do where you sit down in the chairs and the promoter talks to you about you know fire exits are here come and get your petrol money from me here, you know, this is what's on first, this is what's on second. But what was different is he read out a letter from the family of a little girl that the previous show helped. Uh, and and helped is, a, is an understatement. We'll go into it in more detail on the podcast, but it was really special. And uh, I recently said to somebody that if people are negative about wrestling or pessimistic, I should say, about wrestling, that's absolutely fine. To me, optimism and pessimism, they are not personal choices, but personal feelings. And they're not ignoring the negative. You know, if you're a pessimistic person about wrestling, it's not that you're ignoring all the positive things. And if you're an optimistic person, it's not that you're ignoring all the terrible things. You are looking at the negatives and the positives and you're kind of weighing them up for yourselves. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of places which I will refuse to have on this podcast because I don't think light starts from the top. There are a lot of places that I won't have on because I refuse to give them free promotion for just doing the bare minimum. And maybe in the future when they do better, maybe I will have them on. Uh, but for now, I am choosing to only have on the people that I believe are spreading that light in British wrestling. So, Zonda Calloway is my guest this week. I really hope you enjoy this chat and go and check him and Wrestling 4 out on the links that we talk about at the end of the podcast I'm excited to be back there and I hope you come and see me and some of the other 
you know, we talk about it in the pod, but like some of the people that they've had on before, Dan Maloney, Millie McKenzie, Amari, Charles Crowley. I kind of drag it down just a little bit. I kind of drag that bar down just a little bit, but still come and see their mother ones. Their mother ones are still good. Um, yeah, I hope you'll come and see them soon. Oh, I ordered two sets of new gear this week, two sets of new wrestling gear. They are very nice. They are sexy, to say the least. So come and see me possibly wear that new gear at Wrestling 4. Anyway, Zonda Calloway, he's the man. Here's my chat with him. See you later. Peace. Zonda Calloway, how you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you, Mr. Hustle Malone. Good to hear from you again, my friend. Good to hear from you. Um, how have you been spending your time during COVID? Um, apart from climbing the walls, um, I've been <laughs> spending a lot of time like gaming again. Like around when COVID sort of happened, um, I had a bit of a, a bit of a, a windfall and a bit of money land in my lap, and uh, mm. I built myself a gaming PC. I said I built myself a gaming PC. I picked what I wanted off the, the shelf, and then they put it together and sent it <laughs> me because I have no no sort of ability of doing anything sort of stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been doing a lot of gaming, a lot of Twitch streaming, um, and frankly, I love it. I love it. it- it's funny, I talked to uh, Kirk Langley, the promoter of MBWA, a little while ago, and he was talking about how he's been getting into streaming, and it feels like it's the kind of thing you need the time to give a really good go to. And now with COVID, obviously, people have got a little bit more time. Well, this is it, yeah. So, like, it's not something... Well, it is something that you can just switch on one day and have a go at and stuff like that, but if you really want to make a sort of a go of it then you need to be consistent, you need to be doing regular things, you need to be listening to an audience. It's a lot like wrestling in that sense. But um mm. but uh but yeah like the best thing about it is finding like like minded people that you can talk to and you know share discussions with or, like I'm in a couple of Discord groups and stuff now and they're all like really cool people. Um so that's that's been one big thing that I've been doing. The other one is man you can, you're either going to love me for saying this or go, nerd, but it's playing Dungeons and Dragons, man. No, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, I've got loads of friends that are getting into it and I've, you need the right team. Mate. You need, you need oh. a good, good, good collection. Honestly, mate, I started watching Stranger Things on Netflix and they were mm. playing Dungeons and Dragons at the start of the first episode. I was like, man, that sounds like, that looks like a lot of fun. And my cousin's husband, he's a little bit older than she's, like, and he was sort of around when in like the eighties when it was dead popular. Um, and he was like, "Well, I sort of remember how how it all works. I can throw a game together if you want. We can all play a game. That's it. It took over my life. <laughs> like, like I am, I am, I am like one more dice roll away from going and buying a giant foam sword and shield and just walking around the town." Just yep, this is me now. This is my life. <laughs> it and it feels. Does it feel a little bit more like? Does it feel nicer to be interacting with people, especially during COVID? Like, because as much as I love video games as well, it seems kind of nice to be like, oh, wicked! Like, I'm I'm just chatting to people in this regard. Yes. Yeah. Like, looking forward to sort of like because obviously I live with my wife and stuff, but fair play to her, she puts up with my nonsense like most <laughs> of the week. So like. For us to both have this sort of time where we can talk to our friends and stuff like that and, you know, live in this fantasy world for a bit. Like, genuinely, it's been it's something that, like, I really look forward to. A, a very nice release, yeah, but that's yeah, lovely. Big what, what, kind of, what kind of games are you playing on stream? 
Um, just the usual sort of Call of Duty, that sort of thing. Um, I've been a massive Call of Duty fan since like forever. Um, Fortnite's a big one purely because you get wicked views on Fortnite, and you know what? As much as that, it's full of screaming, shouting kids. It's not actually a bad game. It's quite fun when you've got the right people in the game with you. Um, just lots of multiplayer stuff, really. Overwatch. There's a there's a there's a theme of FPS shooter games coming up here, but. Um, I even give a go to sort of stuff like um, World of Warcraft and stuff like that. Um, mm. Bit of mine, even a bit of Minecraft and stuff like that. Honestly, mate, that like I've been going hard. I've been geeking hard, and I love it. Mm. <laughs> I don't blame you, mate. Not at all. Um, as uh, I guess, let's start off as a fan. Has your relationship to wrestling changed much during COVID? Uh, yes. Yeah, it has. I can't even. I can't even lie and say that it hasn't. Um, I don't know. I think it might just. It might just be a phase. But like, I'm looking at more of the traditional styles of wrestling back when, like, you know, you had your uh, people like Stan Hansen, Tully Blanchard, um, old school Ric Flair. You know that sort of golden area where heels and faces couldn't be seen together, and there was that massive shroud of. This is this is real life. These people live this life. I mean, I know Ric Flair's case, Ric Flair did live his life, but um, <laughs> but yeah, watching the old stuff like that and like seeing how the crowd reacted differently and stuff now, like you know, the crowd reactions are like much louder and much more raucous now. But like seeing like I watched oh, who was it? It's on YouTube. It's Blue Blazer versus Tiger Kid, and it was when Eddie Guerrero was Tiger Kid or Tiger mm. Mask, whatever it were, and like. It was just a technical showcase, and like seeing the crowd flip out for like an arm drag, like at the end of the <laughs> sequence, was yeah. was glorious. Um, so like I'm sort of going back to how wrestling was. Like don't get me wrong, I still love the big high spots and stuff like that. But like I felt myself watching these these old school matches, and like I say, seeing that that arm drag after the end of a sequence and that little standoff and being like, oh my God, just as I was when like Undertaker mm. threw Mankind off the top of the cell. Yeah, and, and it's hard because you want to be able to, as a wrestler, you want to be able to relate that to modern day stuff. But I, and, and there is ways to be able to get them to go ape shit for stuff like an arm drag. I watched yeah. a Jack Jester match a couple of years ago where he Great spent, guy. maybe, wicked guy, he spent about eight minutes just pissing around, not getting in the ring, um, you know, as soon as you you almost get a test of strength going, he's like, no, nope, I'm bailing, and he really dials it back. And then Martin Kirby, after about eight eight nine minutes, gives him just a just a tackle, and Jester hits the floor, and the roof falls apart. Yeah, that 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 first bump when they hear back on canvas, and oh, it's brilliant. Mm. Um, it's brilliant. So, so yeah, let's let's move into that then. Has your relationship to wrestling changed much as a performer? Um, like, do you see yourself wrestling that kind of Stan Hansen style when you come back? Um, aspects definitely. Like, I always like to work a little bit snug anyway. Not dangerous, snug, there's a difference. I hate people that go, oh, so you like to punch people. No, no, there's a difference. Um, but like the way he carried himself, like when he was setting himself up for that lariat, like. That lariat was a, like, that just ended your life. It didn't just end the match, mm. it ended your life. Um, and the way he sort of carried himself and he, he built his matches around, like, and, like, you might tease that lariat a few times. Like, just the way he, like I say, he carried himself um, and some of the older guys carried himself. Um, 
even stuff like King Kong Bundy and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm a bigger guy, and like you go back to watching bigger guys, um, you know, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, uh, Vader, you know, all sorts of people like that. Um, just they they seem to sort of carry themselves differently to the way big guys do now, um, and that to me is like really interesting. Like everything was more slow and methodical, and mm. everything you know, everything had a reasoning behind it. Do you know what I mean? So I, I really sort of like that, and looking into the psychology behind that, it's really interesting. You touched on there a minute ago, you know, like in the seventies and eighties, where a million dollar man would pay for everything with a hundred dollar bill, and like yes. you wouldn't catch these guys together. Do you find it hard to balance that side of wrestling with also? Hey guys, catch me on stream. You know, come and chat to me like a real human being. Come and see me after the show. I'll sign your thing. Uh, it's hard to balance that. Very much so. Very much so. Because like, especially I've, I've nine times out of ten I work heel. Um, since wrestling four and stuff like that, I've been I've been doing a lot more face work. But nine times out of ten I do work heel. Mm. Um, but the era of sort of social networking and everything else now. It's hard to come across as being a bad guy and then having to be a bad guy like outside of the ring. Like because I'm not like you you know me. I'm not I'm not a terrible person. I'm not a horrible person. But like <laughs> You're a lovely man. Thank you, thank you for checks in the mail. <laughs> um but like you go out and you, you put this persona and like it's hard because you'll still get your mate in the audience going, hey, go on then. I'm like, no, do you understand? That's the worst thing you can do for me is cheer me. Mm. Boo me, please. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and like, you want to sell your t-shirts at the end of the night and stuff. So, but like, no one wants to, like, if you're mean to people, you, they're not going to come and buy you stuff. Yeah. So, it's, 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 it's real, real awkward. And like, there is that fine line between going out there and getting the cheap heat and getting real genuine heat. Because um, anybody can go out and walk out in front of a crowd and go, you know, insert town name, you all suck. And everybody goes, boo. Yeah. But to get people to really hate you and for it to be like a long-term hatred, like that's difficult to get nowadays. Mm. Yeah, there are like there are things that you could say, you know, somebody shouts at you from the crowd. There's some things that you could say that would like, they'll think about your insult all week. Like, you know, especially when you're, you're a good talker like yourself, you can rip somebody apart, but then they're definitely not going to come and chat to you at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. You know, they might unfollow you off Twitter and, and now your reach has been pulled back. So all this yeah. work that you think you've put in, it doesn't really mean anything now. Yeah. And like, you see that a lot these days. Like, there's a fine line that like, you don't want to touch across. At the minute with British mm. wrestling because everybody knows everybody knows British wrestling at the minute's a minefield. But there is a there is like a fine line where like you want them to say, Oh, so and so was an absolute arse. I don't like him because he did such and such to me at the show. And like, I'll mm. read some of that stuff and go, that's just a heel being a heel. Do you know what I mean? He's doing yeah. his job there. He's doing his job there, do you know what I mean? But there is that sort of fine line nowadays where like I don't think as a heel you can start screaming in anybody's face like around the ring you can't insult anybody for for fear of you know insulting the wrong person on the wrong day or you know saying the wrong thing to someone and they get upset by it i mean as long as your actions afterwards sort of like if you apologize to someone afterwards then fair enough but if you're oblivious to this and then all of a sudden you open twitter and it's like so and so did this 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 all of a sudden like say you shot yourself in the foot by just being a bad guy 
Yeah, yeah. It, in a way, I don't want to say it almost caps heal work, but because because it isn't, you can still be a fantastic heal without yes. really offending anybody, right? It's it's not. This isn't like a stand-up comedian being like, "Oh, you can't joke about anything these days." Yeah, it's no, not no, that exactly kind of that, thing. Yeah. But it's um, I think the fear of possibly crossing that line makes yeah. people pull back even more. It's yeah, like, I don't I think, want to say anything that's an eight because an eight is close to a 10, so I'll just say something that's a six. Yeah, it's it's being able to say an eight, but like in a way that's smart. Do you know what I mean? So like the days of heels going out there, just going, eh, you're all your mothers and all this, you know, I think yeah. those, days, those days are essentially over. And I think it's like to be a heel now, you've got to work a lot smarter than you would have before. If you want to have any sort of credibility, anyway, and not just be that knobhead that came out and insulted everyone else. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I did a show a little while ago. Uh, I was promoting a show, and uh, a fan came up to me and they went, "You need to ban this guy off the show." And I went, "Why?" Like I was genuinely concerned. I was like, "Why? What happened?" He went, "He shouted your mum at me." And I went, <laughs> "Okay." I went, "What happened just before that?" And I went, "I told him to fuck off." Right, like that he came out as a heel. The heel came out and he went, yeah, fuck off. I was like, it's a family show. You shouted fuck off in front of kids and you want me to ban him from sh- from saying your mum. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you you my, shot my him and he tapped you. My mum's my, my really ill and she doesn't need this stress. And like, yeah, but he didn't know that. You told him to fuck off. Yeah, you told him to leave. <laughs> My, um, one, of my, one of my good mates, Jay Winters, his name is. He wrestles under Devin Briggs. We were um, mm. we were at a PCW show together, and we were in the opener together. And uh, <laughs> I've come out, done the normal sort of bullshit big heel thing. You know, you've all paid to see me, and all this sort of proper old school stuff, right? Because we're thinking opener, keep it nice and basic, blah blah blah. He walks out. The first thing he says is, "Hello, you bunch of scrubbers." And, like, you heard the outrage gasps and stuff as, like, people are like, well, I didn't think that was very good. Like, that wasn't Amazing. very nice, was it? And I'm just like, no, no, that was brilliant. And, like, do you know those times where you st- sort of stood in the ring and you've got to try and stifle that laugh? Mm. Yeah, you're brilliant. Absolutely. Wow. One of my, my highlights, that was. He sort of got back in the, got into the ring and looked round the I'm, I'm kind of lost for words. At- he sort of got in the ring, looked round at us all, and was like, "Was like, was it something I said?" <laughs> I'm kind of lost for words that they would be so offended at, at the word "scrubbers." Like, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Um, wow, that's definitely something. You touched on wrestling for there, the, the, one of the few places where you are able to show yourself as a lovely man. Um, for anybody who is unaware of wrestling for, um, and could very well come and see a show in the new era, can you tell us a little bit about it? Okay, so we are a, a CIC business, registered business, um, and we are funded by an organisation called The Big Local, which is for, um, part of the National Lottery Trust, um, and they basically helped us set up a business um, to run charity shows on the regs. Um, mm-hmm. So they helped fund us money for a ring, an entranceway, um, a whole sound system, projectors, the bells and whistles, you know, you, you name it, we've got it. Um, and in return, um, they get a lot of advertising stuff off us, and we, we sort of like repay this money back. But the the, the main focus of oh, that's the uh, that's the sponsorship, that's the legal sponsorship thing that I've got to plug every time <laughs> I mention them. Done and out the way. So, but yeah, so in return, we are allowed to then put on uh, wrestling shows for charity. Um, 
and we absolutely adore it. We love it. Um, so we've done shows for Acorns. We've done shows for Calm, uh, the campaign against Living Miserably. Um, we've done uh, Click Sergeant, uh, which is a, 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 ch- a paediatric cancer charity. Um, and like we've raised over five grand in those sort of like five shows already. So like we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Um, we pride ourselves on being a sort of friendly family atmosphere. Um, we also pride ourselves on packing as many wrestlers into the backstage as possible because, like, we always believe that if someone wants a chance <laughs> to work and represent for the charity, then they should be given that chance. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also famous for our seven-day-long raffles. Um Wow, oh, yeah. that last that last raffle was something special. It's it's got to the point now where that raffle is spoke about the same as our championship title. So like we <laughs> might have to have like wrestling wrestling raffle matches and stuff like that. It's it's obscene. Um, but yeah, we, we you know we do all the normal sort of raffles, giveaways, stuff like that. And apart from that, you get a night of really really good wrestling. Um, and knowing that your ticket price has gone to a very very good cause. Yeah, I think obviously we've touched on this before personally because I ran Sacrifice Pro and we've also done shows for charity. Um, It is really special when people can come along and get the same entertainment that they would get down the road, but they know that they're doing something good and it's not like, hey, can you donate to charity and you'll never hear from it again and you'll never see it again. You'll never... Do you know what I mean? It's just like, just give us a fiver and move along. Whereas here, it's just like, you get to see exactly where it goes and... It's almost like it's it's kind of passive entertainment, and it's really nice. Well, like nine times out of ten, what we do is we save up any sort of correspondence we had from the last show, and we read it because I always like to do sort of a before the show starts a read through the card and stuff like that, and thank everybody mm. for coming. Um, but like normally, we get sent cards and stuff like that from charities that we've helped last time, and like one of the most special moments that like like I've ever had in my life, and like I was fighting back tears was we got a card from um, a mum. Who's the money that we raised from the Click Sergeant charity show um, paid for this girl to go through her chemotherapy? Um, she lost her hair, um, and like the money was there was enough money left over that we paid for her to get a wig and stuff like that, so she could have her pigtails back. And this is like a six-year-old girl, um, and the mom had wrote us a card to say thank you and how much all the money had meant and stuff like that, and like. It's nice to be able to read back to the people that were there last time and, and like the people that are there for the first time and say, look, this is what all your hard work's for. Like, it's not just, you know, let's have a wrestle and this is just another this is just another town job. Like, mm. we're actually doing something special and like here's the proof. Um yeah, it was quite that that like I read through that a few times and every single time it's sort of like oh, you know, you sort of had to fight it back a little bit and Push it down. No, no, don't cry. Don't cry in front of the wrestlers. Don't cry in front of the wrestlers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it is It is real special. That's so nice. And um, and yeah, I, I had this discussion with somebody recently. Um, might have even been on a podcast. But I said, like, I have an optimistic outlook. And that's not because uh, I'm ignoring the negatives in wrestling. It's because I'm able to see the positives as well. And sometimes you have to go up and down the country to see those positives. And when you... Imagine, you know, you, you read a card like that, which is something so beautiful, and then you turn around and people go, oh, yeah, wrestling's doomed. As long as there are good things like that still going on in wrestling, I think it's yeah. it, it's it's hard not to be optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've uh, 
with everything, like with all bad things, like you've got to try and look for the light in them, whether that's wrestling or life in general. Like mm. you've always got to try and look for that sort of light. Um, I make it no sort of no sort of bugbears that I I suffer with depression massively. Um, and one of the biggest ways that I've helped myself get through a lot of things is by searching sometimes tirelessly for that for that sometimes when you're having a bad day, just finding that one little win in a whole day of shit, that's enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And as long as you can find that little win in your day, then you can get to the next day and then the next day and then the next day. So and it's the same it's the same with anything. It's the same in wrestling. It's the same in any sort of industry where like there's a lot of shit going on. Just look for that one good thing and just hold on to it. <laughs> Yeah, it, I, I call it Superman syndrome, right? It, it, if my arm is blown off, but you have a paper cut, I'm like, oh my god, can I help you? How can I help? Yeah. And sometimes it's such, uh, it, it's such a nice form of therapy to be able to go. I'm going to put my effort into making something great for this scene. And let's just be real; it's not just the scene. Like that little girl, her life is now kind of impacted forever, right? Mm, exactly. That's real. Um. Right, keeping on that positive note, right? I want to go through some of the names. So if you're not familiar with Wrestling 4, these are some of the mental names that you would have seen. Yeah, Wrestling 4's had four shows now, is that right? Uh, five if you count the, the first one that I did on my own in a tiny little back room in Lower Gornal where I had to beg, borrow and steal everything. That was the sort of <laughs> beginnings of it. Um, yeah. But under the Wrestling 4 banner, we've had four official shows, yeah. Right. Well, these are some of the mental names that I've seen on these cards already, right? Chuck Mambo, Clint Margera, Dan Maloney, Millie McKenzie, the Hunter Brothers, Amari, Chantel Jordan, Roy Johnson. And that is a, a drop in the ocean, right? How, how like, that must have been overwhelming to see when you have names like this be like, hell yeah, I want to be involved. Do you know what? It's, it's mad because, again, it's one of those times where you just have to sit there and go, all these guys that probably have a million and other one things that they could be doing today they haven't they've all come together to do this um and that again that makes it that makes it real special like it makes it real real special um and like then seeing people come up to you afterwards and gone how how has how have you done this how have you put this together and stuff and you just sort of go well i just asked do you know what i mean i just asked and spoke to them and they've they've agreed to to be on do you know what i mean so it's yeah, it's 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 mad. Um, seeing all those sort of guys get behind it as well is unbelievable. Like you, you mentioned, Dan Maloney, he's he's our grand champion, our first ever champ. Um, the day he won the title, um, he like he took the mic off me and stuff when we were saying it, and he was like, "We did it, guys! Yeah, fuck cancer!" And like bounced our brand new microphone three rows back into the crowd. Now, bearing in mind we're a charity show, he's just said "fuck cancer" and he's threw our brand new microphone across. Like, and I, I, <laughs> I just sort of looked at him when he came back afterwards. And was like, "I'm so sorry. I just got so passionate and so happy. I just had to do something." Um. <laughs> but like, it's nice that like that they feel that way towards it as well. Do you know what I mean? So, I think it tells you that these these people, like Dan Maloney, right? WWE UK tournament, just been on the network again recently, like. A human being and when people are like oh my god how did you get this guy well these are people with hearts yeah. who care about and are affected by this kind of stuff too 
Yeah. I, mean, like, I wouldn't say I know Dan intimately, but like I, I know Dan through being on the scene and stuff like that and in passing and stuff. Like I've, I've met Dan a few times before. Um, and when I shot him a message across, I was like, look, this is this is what I do. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Would you be interested? And like, he's the nicest person to talk to. Like, he's, yeah, not a problem. That sounds great. No worries. Um, the show that we just did, um, he, had a, he had an injury on his back. Um, and he messaged me on the morning saying, look, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to wrestle because my back's really hurting. Like, I'm in a lot of pain. He says, but I still want to come down. I still want to, like, stand in front of the crowd with my microphone, explain what's happening, and, like, represent you as the champion of the company. And I was like, Dan, if you could do that, then that's fantastic. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I completely understand if you're injured, you're injured. But he turns up about an hour later with his gear bag, and I'm like, I thought you were injured. He was like, ah, stuff, it's for a good cause, isn't it? <laughs> and like, I, I, re- I remember how much he wanted to fight through that day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he did, fair play to him, he did. He really did. It must be so nice to have, like, like I said, people like that, people like Millie McKenzie, uh, Amari, all these great names. Like, not just being like, yeah, yeah, I'll take, like you said, I'll take a booking, I'll be in the next town. But, like, really representing the place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's 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 amazing to see. It really is. It's, it's like, there's, like I said, there's three of us that run Wrestling 4. Um, four, if you count my long-suffering wife who has to deal with all the shit that I put, put her through. <laughs> um, but, like, the two other guys, like, one's sort of like the business side of things, Kirk, he's great, he does all our ring, uh, photography and stuff. And then there's a guy called H. Um, he works, like, the floor and stuff on the night time and stuff. And, like, like, the three of us afterwards, like, we look at each other and just go, like, how did we do that? That's mad. Like, I, I, I deal with all the, like, the sort of, like, production side of things and the promotion and stuff like that because that's where I'm... That's my background. I'm the wrestling background. Like, Kirk's the photography background. H is the lift-heavy things background. So we've all got our place. Um, and, like, we all say to each other afterwards, like, how how was that a thing? How did we just fit, like, three, well, 250 people in that tiny, tiny, tiny room? And, like, ah, it's, it's amazing. Well, uh, touching on how you did this, um, <laughs> um, we talked just before we started recording about how people love the sexy side of promoting and, you know, the fun part of, like, let's make a cool card and let's come up with a fun name. What do people uh, not understand about running uh, a full, massive wrestling show like that? It's It's intense. Like, it's not just a case of you get in touch with a few members of talent, you put a card together, and then that's it till show day. It's the constant... Not only have you got to contact these people, you've got to constantly be in contact with these people, um, take into consideration any special requests and requirements that they have. You've got to liaise with the venues, make sure that the venue's there and available and, you know, going to be available for setup and stuff like that. Uh, it's postering, you know, you've got to make sure that you your poster's right. Um, we had once where the posters came back and the posters were like an absolute awful quality because the company, we sent the co- company like a really high res co- like copy of the poster. They lost mm. the file, so they just went onto Facebook and picked the one that we had on Facebook and then, no. as soon as you, yeah, well, you know as yourself, like in graphic works and stuff like that, Facebook compresses files terribly. So the posters that we got mm. were like 500 posters of dog shit. And like it was like you've just set me back like a week because now I've got to wait for you to reprint all these posters. Um, 
there's the phone calls, the messages, everything from sun up to sundown. Um, like it's, it's it's when you get home and stuff like that, and like you, I haven't seen my wife all day because I've been to work, and then I'm sat in my phone for another four hours because I'm dealing with this promotion stuff. So she's getting sick and tired of it. She understands, but she's getting sick and tired of it. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't stop her being angry and upset. Um, it's like I say, it's when things go wrong, when injuries happen and people drop out, or like, there's good problems where someone else that you'd never thought of gets in touch and says, "Is there any chance I could be part of next show?" And you've got to try and squeeze them in everywhere. And it's it's literally from the day you announce that you're doing another show to the day after that show has taken place, it's a constant stress. And then nine times out of ten, the day after that constant show has taken place you've already announced the date of your next show the night before on the show that you've just done so it's a constant circle so it starts all over again so you can never get on yeah yeah i i like people say like oh it must be so great talking to all these wrestlers and you know doing this that and the other and putting on stuff like this and like no it's hard work it's real hard work thankfully i've got like a great team of guys that I can just phone up and go fancy coming around throwing a few posters up or like I need X amount of Facebook posts done this week is there any chance you can help out and like it's done um, but it is hard work it's real hard you you know yourself from like I say doing doing sacrifice and stuff it's it's not as glamorous as people think it's why Vince Vince McMahon has a million and one people to do the job for him now yeah I never see him putting posters up no yeah. never no he doesn't even share yeah, the posts on Facebook <laughs> Click attending, man. What are you yeah. doing? I know. Tell me about um, it. And then, he even, and then he still put the belt on himself because <laughs> he's a real promoter. Um, <laughs> um, does it feel like there's more pressure than normal because it's for charity? Because even though, like you said, you've got a great team and you've got loads of people involved and a wicked roster, it still feels like. You know, let's say you run the show and five people turn up. You feel that, like you're the one letting them down. That is what terrifies me the most. And it's why I've stayed quiet on social media through all of the COVID things. Because the only reason why my promotion can continue and be viable is if I'm drawing the same sort of numbers that I was drawing for the past few shows that I've done. If I'm not mm. drawing those numbers, because it's not about making profit for me and putting money in my skyrocket. It's about giving the money to these charities. If I, like when I've been sending like a thousand pounds plus to charities from each show, um, I'd feel like a massive failure if I put a show on too early, raised 500 quid and was like, sorry, this is all we've managed to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'd rather wait and wait and wait and wait and wait until the world goes completely back to normal. We've got some idea of how to run shows and like how we're going to do it safely. Um, and then do it. Like, I am in no rush whatsoever. Like, a lot of people were saying, like, oh, we could be the first show back. Well, that to me, I've got no interest in being the first show back. No interest whatsoever. Um, because I need to operate in the way that, like, that's going to get the money for these people. Because, like, people, are people going to want to go to these live wrestling shows and pack out venues. I know the government says it's safe, and I know we've been waiting for a long time, but I guarantee you draws will suffer for a while. Like, even if it's not by a long margin, I reckon there'll be a definite sort of drop-off. It's interesting. I I think it'll either be one of the two extremes. I think, like you said, it'll be dead, and people won't want to risk it, as long as 
a number of people are vaccinated or whatever. But I also kind of think people are so desperate for entertainment. I mean, try try to get a seat in a restaurant during Eat Out to help out. You, nowhere to yeah. go, right? Because everywhere's yeah. rammed. Part of me thinks people are desperate for some form of entertainment and that they'll be like, where's the show? 200 miles away in a hot air balloon upside down? Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, and again, that's a big worry for me because could you imagine if you put on a show like that and then there's a massive outbreak of COVID a couple of weeks later and you'd be known as that sort of, what are they calling it? Um, super like spreader super, event. Super spreader event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Can you imagine that? Wrestling for the charity show, super spreader event. Like, no, I don't want that. And I mean, I know it's never going to happen. I don't draw that many people for it to ever happen, but I'd just rather wait to make sure everything's serious and everything's done and sorted um, and then come back when everybody's safe. I have never promoted a show ever where afterwards I said, oh, do you know what? I could have done with less time to prepare. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Come show day, you're like, what I wouldn't give for another week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would kill to put up another 30 posters. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you think back to yourself and you go, I should have really done this. It's like, And you try and think of feasibly how you can get it done like in those last few moments. Yeah. Like Sometimes you do have to just say to yourself, no, it's done. I can't do anything else. But there's always that little voice in the back of your head that goes, what if? Yeah, and you start thinking about stuff that like you either definitely couldn't have done or like like I I'll sit there the day before a show and be like, man, if I'd have got on Graham Norton this week, this would have been perfect. But. Do you know what these things and like as ridiculous as people are probably listening to that and going, oh, I'm going on Graham Norton. You think of these things as a promoter, like absolutely. Like, like you think of like if I could have just got on BBC News, like you know what I, I mean, I, like yeah. If I could have just got on the Radio One Breakfast Show. Yeah, no, this is it. Like, and and as soon as you see one person do, you know, uh, I did a sacrifice show where I went on to promote our big show, and I was on Three Counties Radio. And you start thinking to yourself, okay, well we've done that now. I wonder What's if it? I could get on every month. Yeah, or I wonder if what if Capital Radio wants a shout, or maybe I'll yeah. do a DJ set on Kiss FM. I don't know. Like you, you open yourself up to the possibilities, but then as soon as those possibilities are open, you think, "Oh man, I should have done more now." Like you'll be, you'll be. I'll be listening to the radio at work and stuff, and they'll have someone on that's doing something. I wouldn't say similar to what I do because like there's not many people that run charity wrestling shows and stuff. Mm. But like they're doing something for charity, and I think to myself, like you know, I write the tweet out like at Scott Mills. How about having me on for this? <laughs> Just in the hope that one of his th one of the thousand people see it and go, do you know what? He's doing something all right here. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like. <sighs> It's it's insane, but like it just to me that's that just shows that you're passionate about what you do, that you're constantly trying to think of these things and just do anything you can to get eyes on what it is that you're doing. And wrestlers are such ver let's be honest, we're versatile uh, performers, right? Yes. Even if you take somebody like I don't know, you know Doug Williams, who's like this tech master, if you put him in the ring with Colt Cabana and Cabana was doing comedy stuff because we are so versatile he'd still be able to go in there and do all this mad stuff with him and because Absolutely. we're improving on the fly I, I, I look forward to the day that one day like British wrestling is mainstream enough that we have you know the Graham Norton show and someone is on there you know I don't know like you're on there promoting the next big title match not because you're on Graham Norton because you've got a movie coming up or because you're in you know Adele's music video or something like that. But you're there for that reason. You're here yes. because 
people see wrestling in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, and do you know what? I think soon as as soon as like the people out there start taking wrestling seriously, like they should have done a long, long time ago, whether it be like all of this in the government and stuff that's going on now, um, you know, they. You mentioned wrestling to sort of people of a certain generation, and they think people that dress up in glittery outfits and pretend to beat each other up. Hmm. When when you actually look at it on like the whole, if you know, if the prima ballerina in Black Swan, she's not really a swan. She's just yeah. a dancer. Do you know what I mean? And she's she's doing the same sort of choreography and stuff like that than that we probably go through, you know, although ours is a lot more physical. Um hmm. But, like, you'll have Prima Ballerina of the Black Swan on, so why wouldn't you have, you know, the heavyweight champion of XYZ promotion on? Yeah, I think I think a big part of that is that we've got to be able to defend it correctly. Yeah. If people yeah. are like, wrestling's fake, and we're like, no! Then yeah. you've lost. The game is over. Yeah, yeah. So we've yeah. got to be a bit more cool with it. Yeah, but wrestling's fake. I hate that. Wrestling's fake, though, isn't it? Like, I hate the F word. I do. I really, really do. Because all the time I was, I was trained to be a wrestler, oh, it's fake, and it? It's fake, and it? Yeah, well, and in the end, you turn around and go, well, no, it's not, because everything that I'm doing is real. Everything that you see me doing there is real. Like, just because it's predetermined doesn't mean that what I'm doing is any less diminished. Do you know what I mean? This is it, but I think people will people say stuff like that because they they know it's almost like a trigger word for wrestlers yeah. and wrestling fans, and they know that's how you get through. I I was on uh, YouTuber Jack mate. I was on his Happy Hour podcast, and before we started, he was like, "Look, full disclosure, I'm not a fan of wrestling. I've not watched it since I was a kid. I think it's a bit pish. I hope you can change my mind." And I was like, "Yeah, man, let's do it." And we had a chat, and I told him stories, and and at some point when he was like, "But let's be let's be honest, it, it, it's fake, right?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's scripted, yeah." But like, if I'd have flipped off the handle there, that's the clip that you cut out. Yeah, you yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's wrestling fan loses his shit over that, <laughs> over accusation. That's why one of the most recycled clips that you see is Psycho Sid slapping that reporter in the face. Because yeah. it's, it's fake, isn't it? And Sid just whacks him and goes, "Does that? Does that fake? Is that fake?" Like that's why you see that all the time because it has, like, with some people, it has that explosive reaction. Mm. But I think you're right. I think if we all just sort of turn around and go, "Well, I wouldn't call it fake. I'd, I'd call it this," um, and then explained it a bit more diplomatically than a slap to the face. Yeah. I mean, maybe we've just got a picture, like, if you said, if Brad Pitt was talking about World War Z and you asked him, like, oh, but it's fake, right? Like, you've got a kind of mentally picture and be like, what would he say in this situation? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, of course, I don't I mean, understand. Well, might I just say as well, World War Z, I thought that was a terrible film. It was, it was poorly executed. It was brilliant it was... all the way to the end, and then I was just like, oh, is that it? What, what did you want for the ending? I'll let you fantasy book the ending. Um, well, they've started rolling out the, the sort of vaccine that gets everybody sick and stuff like that, and but then they recover from it because it's not so bad, and, you know, you start seeing, like, they start putting the world back together. But, like, mm. it, it, was, it was good in the sense that it left it open, but, like, I didn't feel it left it open enough for a sequel, but I didn't feel like it closed it off enough for... Like full closure of the first film. Yeah. 
Like, like everything mm. about it was real good until that little bit, and then like, so I sort of was like, oh, okay. It'd be like if they, like, if you watch the Titanic, and they go, iceberg, dead ahead, bang! And then they stop the film, do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, well, well, what, what happened? Did it sink? Did they all get away safely? Like, you know, I need closure or a sequel, and you've provided me with nothing! You heard it here first, guys. Uh, Xander Calloway badly wants that Titanic 2. Where's that Titanic sequel? <laughs> what happened to the iceberg? What do they do next? <laughs> what if that iceberg then went around and like took out other landmarks? You know, took yeah. down the Eiffel Tower, Leaning Tower. In, it turns into some sort of giant kaiju battle. Oh, yeah, Godzilla versus iceberg. Godzilla versus iceberg. Do you know what I mean? This is this is unbelievable. This is, we've opened up a broadscape of like indie film here. Right, I'm gonna I'll like trademark and copyright all this before it go, the podcast goes out. Right, what Get if like done. the ice? What if the iceberg is like a gobbledygooker situation where Godzilla is inside it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something oh. is in it. That see this now we're talking, and maybe that's why it needed all <laughs> like, the body. Maybe it needed all the bodies in the water because that's how it feeds. Oh, maybe this is how we get on Graham Norton. This is how we get on Graham North. So Cthulhu, Cthulhu the Iceberg versus Godzilla. <laughs> Perfect. Wicked. You, do you want to do the voice of one of them, like Groot? Yeah, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> Wicked. Right, we can, uh, we'll do some dubs of that, that later on. <laughs> um, let's talk about your wrestling. Because you like, you, you like a good tango in there, don't you? I do, I do, I do. You... I do, I can... You were kind of coming back from injury just before just before COVID hit, and now you've been blessed with a long time to recover. I have, yeah. It was sort of like I was I was going full steam ahead, getting ready for sort of an in ring return, and then the world just went no. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, in, in fairness, it's done me a favour in the sense of that it's given me more time to get into more a, a better shape because although round is a shape, it's not really something that you want to see in spandex. <laughs> Um, like I've always. What, kind of, what like, kind of stuff have you been doing? How have you been training? Uh, do you know what? There was that brief moment where the gyms were open, where everything was glorious again, but then they closed them again. So I've been doing a lot of a lot of just cardio, walking. Um, I've got an exercise bike at home that I've been doing. Um, my personal trainer, like hashtag Team MD, there's his um, there's his plug, <laughs> so he can be happy for me. Uh, Marcus is brilliant. Um, like weekly check-ins with him my diet's been up and down changing what i've been eating what i've been you know the calories that i'm bringing in the calories that i'm putting out and stuff like that and it, he's been on my back because if, if i'm honest i wouldn't say this to his face because he'd get an ego but he's a <laughs> massively massively scary man um he's built like an absolute shit house um and he looks the bollocks um yeah. but he knows his stuff as well and he's like with him and my my sort of my missus threatening to grass me up to him if I don't do things the way he says, like I've 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 lost a lot of weight, man. I put a lot of weight on in the first lockdown, which made me sort of go, I need help now. Um, and then lockdown two, electric boogaloo came, and I sort of plateaued. And then lockdown three, the empire strike, the lockdown strikes back. I've really managed to <laughs> to lose a, a fair bit of weight. I think I'm, I was down last week twenty eight kilos from Christmas. Wow. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm really, 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 really trying my very best to be in some form of spandex shape. And you've when. timed it 
you've timed it the right way at least because it'd be worse if you got in good shape in lockdown one then it went off the rails and then you came back exactly exactly so um but yeah so i'm just i'm trying my best i'm trying to just work on my cardio um because well cardio is important um and just get my cardio to where it needs to be um which to be fair i'm, I'm not doing too bad on i don't think touch wood anyway um, but when the gyms, like I say, I'm probably not, when wrestling returns completely, I'm probably going to have six months in the gym before I then go, right, okay, available for bookings again. Because I don't want to go back on a return and either look shit or be shit. Because that, that, that'll that be that'll be it then, it's finished, it's done, it's over. The, the boyhood dream is ruined, do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm going to give it as much time as I need with the right equipment that I need, listening to the right people. And then once it's done, I'm going to go, okay, from here, let's go. Yeah, I do worry for those first couple of weeks or months of shows back where yeah. people haven't trained either at all or they haven't trained ring stuff at all. Yeah. And you're going to see injuries. You're going to see people getting gas doing their entrance. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's a really smart way to look at things, mate. Well, it's just I've been out for so long now. What's another six months? Do you know what I mean? When Fair. you think about when you think about everything, what's another six months? Do you know what I mean? It's how, not long, like, how long were you out with the injury, by the way? Uh, on and off, nearly two years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'd come back for a little bit and then realise that you know, still not feeling great. And when you're out there, it's not just a case of looking after yourself; it's looking after the other person. So mm. as soon as I felt any sort of pull in my shoulder or anything like that, I'd stop. And then I'd rehab for a couple of months, feel better, go out and do it again. And then nine times out of ten, it was it was the same sort of vicious circle again. Like I'd feel the shoulder pull or something like that. And I'd be like, right, stop, go back, rehab it again, rehab it again, rehab it again. Right, I'm feeling better now. Um, mm. So this time the lockdowns made me sort of go, no, do you know what? Stop. Just stop and do it properly. So that's the plan. You want to You want to kind of forget that it's an issue. Yes, yeah, I, I was still training and stuff like that because I think you've got to keep yourself still training, but I wouldn't put myself in a position where I was lifting someone over my head, my shoulder gives out and I drop them on the neck because mm. I've then got to go home and sleep for the rest of my life knowing that I've injured that person when I probably shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Mm. I um, I had this, discuss uh, this discussion just before COVID uh, with Shogun Jay, a young guy who wrestles down near me. I think he's like 21, 22 and he got injured the same time as somebody else. The other person was like dying to get back to shows, sprinting to get back, you know, wrestling with every kind of bandage and cover and all that kind of thing. Yeah. This kid's young. He took his time, got himself perfectly to 100%, 100%, came back, doesn't even notice the issue anymore. And I was I, like, I, your spot will always be safe as long as you're sensible like that. And this is what I'm This is what I'm saying. Like, before I left wrestling, I, I wasn't anywhere. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like it's not like I've I've got a spot that I want to keep. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not thinking to myself, mm. oh, I need to be I need to be put back in at the level that I was before. Because realistically, the level that I was at before is negligent. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I'd be on I'd be in good places one place. I'd be bottom of the barrel doing the rumble in other places. So mm. that like I'm not bothered about my spot in quotes. Um, I know my own ability. I know what I'm capable of. Um, and when I come back and I'm in better shape and I'm in better physical condition, like I will put that hard work in and I will get to where, well, I'll get to where I want to be or I'll, I will aim for where I want to be when I know I'm not a risk to myself and other people. I wish more people 
shared that mindset with you, mate, very much. Um, so that's what we can expect from you when we come back. What can we expect from the return of Wrestling 4? Um, the return of Wrestling 4. Um, we are currently looking for a new venue. Um, Benjamin's has been wonderful. Um, and I cannot fault them enough. Um, but it's, it's no longer suitable for purpose. Um, you've been in the backstage of Benjamin's yourself. It's I was going to say, you want someone with a smaller changing area. Yeah, yeah yes. I want to wait. Yeah, same, same everywhere else, but I just really want a smaller changing room for all you got now. <laughs> um, I want somewhere where, like, the boys and girls don't have to sneak into a cupboard to get changed and come out. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, because everybody sort of mingles with everybody. And for the most part, everybody's sort of like, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. It is what it is, but it shouldn't be like that. And as a company that represents charities and stuff like that, I don't want my brand to be like that. So I'm looking for somewhere that can accommodate more changing facilities so that the males and the females don't have to mingle with each other. If they, if they still want to, then and that's their choice, then by all means that's on them. But like on paper, I'm doing male and female changing. Um, the same as when we announced it when the whole speaking out thing came. Um, we've already got in place, ready to rock and roll, um, a safeguarding officer who works um, with vulnerable people. Um, they are first aid, uh, mentally mental health first aiders. They are, you know, they they used to doing this sort of thing as an actual job. Um, they have volunteered their services for Wrestling Four. So if there's ever an issue like that at Wrestling Four, it can be spoke about, dealt with, recorded, um, just so that the whole scene is a safer place. Um, I think we're not full time. We're not a full time wrestling company in the sense that we don't run every week. But if mm. we can be better than all of those other places in the sense of making our place the safest place, then that's what I'm going to do. Like safety is paramount now. Um, making sure people are comfortable is also paramount. Um, and if anything goes on backstage and stuff like that, it's a it's a no tolerance zone. Wicked. A lot of people will be really happy to hear that. And as a last thing I want to ask you, uh, we are recording this in March of 2021. We are indeed. I'm very big on goals and achieving things, as you clearly are, because you're working hard yourself. Can you give me, Sander Callaway, three aims for yourself for the next year? For the next year? So this time next year in March, I... I want to, I've always said this, this has always been my top goal. My my dad lives the other side of Wales. Um, I've always said I want to get a booking somewhere in Wales where he can come and travel and see me do what I do. Because mm. he's in like four and a half years I've been in ring, the six years that I've been training, he's never been able to see me live. So yeah, I want to do something somewhere in Wales. That'd be lovely. Um, I'd like to get a couple of regular dates under my belt. I'm not fussy whether it's one one promotion, two promotion, or a million promotions, but just a couple of places where I work regularly um, and I can go back to. That'd be nice. And as a promoter, I want to see Wrestling 4 in a new home, settled in, still killing it and making a difference wherever we can. Lovely. And, uh, and these will be really nice things to tide you over until Hollywood takes us both. Uh, well, eventually, when you know Cthulhu versus Godzilla, the sequel comes out. <laughs> I mean, you're saying sequel. I'm thinking franchise. I'm thinking oh, like okay. a long, 
I'm thinking multi multi year deals. I'm thinking comic book spin offs. So like Iceberg and the Furious, two Iceberg, two Furious. <laughs> two Iceberg, two Furious. The new Iceberg, Antarctic Drift. Uh, a too fast, too furious reference is always going to get me in 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 any context, whatever it is. Yeah. They're, they're... And then at the end, it should just be like the iceberg. Yeah, the iceberg. And no, 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 no. You've got to go one step further than that, and it's just ice. <laughs> just ice. Yeah. And people are like, oh, sweet, I know what that is. Yeah, because we've we've done that many movies beforehand that they see the word ice and they just associate it with us. Wicked, and we, then, oh, and then, we need to do iceberg number seven, the return of the Titanic, where the Titanic comes back from the depths as like some oh, transformer yeah. Gundam sort of robot. That really? one will be that one will be John Cena, and then we'll go full circle. Absolutely, oh, you are—it's like we're reading off the same hinge him sheet here. Pr- this is a license to print money, who, isn't it? <laughs> who would you have? Who are you going to have playing the iceberg? Oh, um. Hmm. Oh, I kind of want. Uh, oh, let's let's let's. I want I want to pick somebody unconventional. Okay. I want to really go left field. Steve Carell. I was gonna go Danny DeVito if I'm honest. <laughs> oh, he can do anything. Yeah. Exactly. He's he's an absolute. You know. So I saw the Titanic and I started blasting. <laughs> if anything, though, yeah, yeah. If anything, I would say that. Danny DeVito then could then be Godzilla because I'd like to see him do like that blue laser beam thing Godzilla does. Oh, interesting, interesting. And I just started blasting my laser beam. Yeah, yeah. And he'd have to do it with the accent as well. Full Danny <laughs> DeVito. I want full Danny DeVito. And Danny DeVito is partial to an egg in these trying times, and he would hatch in the movie. Brilliant. This, this is, is exactly. This is exactly where I expected the podcast to go. Zard <laughs> the wow. Calloway. It has been absolutely lovely having you on the podcast. It's been wonderful um, to be here. Where can people find you wrestling for and your streams? Where can we find everything you do online? Uh, okay, so my Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash ztalbatronz. Um, Twitter is also at ztalbatronz. Um, and then wrestling Four is at wrestling Four, normally with an underscore underneath if it wants a fancy character we're pretty lucky that our username hadn't been taken by anyone so it didn't have to be wrestling for one two seven eight six <laughs> quality thanks so much brother no thank you very much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure